we'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. Welcome to the Homestead Podcast. You are joining co-hosts Carol and Jamie of TwoGalsHomesteading.com. If you found yourself here, that means you are ready to take responsibility for what you eat, your family's health, and your family's well-being while living a simpler life. You can do this and have fun, saving money along the way. Let them help you unleash the homesteader within. By doing more with less, you will gain what is needed to create confidence, impact, and change in your life and the lives around you. Let's start homesteading, let's start now. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Carol. Well, here we are again. Yes, yes, yes. And we have decided we're going to talk a little bit about, well, probably a whole lot about food preservation today. But first, I want to give a shout out. I actually met one of our fans this week. She came here for milk. And let's see, she also got cream, if I remember right. Yeah, she got cream and milk. And the first thing that she said when she got out of her car here was, I absolutely love the Homestead podcast. My kids think I'm addicted to it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so I want to say thank you, Michelle, um, for following us. She says she's been listening to us for about a month and she is learning things left and right, things she didn't know. She says she cooks with cast iron and the cast iron episode was one of her favorites. She asked me about kabucha, which is another one of our more popular episodes. And so she's asking for a scoby from you, which I already told you about. <laughs> yep, yep. And I actually was going to drain it tonight, and then I'll set one aside for her. Okay. Thank you for listening. We are always excited to meet somebody who is a fan of ours. If you have questions, and she did have a couple questions for me, we're more than happy to answer questions. And she suggested that we possibly do a question and answer. So I told Michelle, go ahead. And I said, if you can't find a place to ask, you have my number. You yep. can certainly text me. So let's let's get back to food Our preservation. Subject. Yes, food preservation. And now there's there's several ways to preserve food, but I think we're going to focus on the three most common, which is canning, dehydrating, and freezing. Those are probably the most common that people that, think of when you when, think. Yep. Say canning. That's what they're going to think of. Yep. When you think of food preservation, people are thinking about putting food up, canning, throwing stuff into the freezer, and dehydrating stuff, because I know you do quite a bit of yep. dehydrating yep. at your the, place. That, those have been my three modes up until this year. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit maybe about the history of food preservation. Like They've been doing it what forever. What did they do when they didn't have a refrigerator or a freezer, which is so common today? When I was looking, I read that settlers here in the United States used fermentation, burial, drying, curing, freezing, pickling, and some canning. And then I read that in the 1800s, vegetables and eggs would be put in glazed crocks, soaked in vinegar, and then covered with either leather, clarified butter, or pig bladder, which basically worked like saran wrap works today. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, <laughs> a pig bladder. Well, let's hope they washed wow. it. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it, it was a very interesting. I was like, oh, I'm glad we don't have to do that today. No, no. Let's talk a little bit about the importance of preserving food. I mean, they did it back in the 1800s and probably longer than that. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, they've been preserving forever in one way or another. You preserve food at your place and why? To make it last year round mm-hmm. because you don't have garden fresh tomatoes year round. Apples are only abundant 
one time a year. Potatoes, you only get like one batch of potatoes a year. So you try to grow enough to take year round through the year. You know, granted, we're fortunate nowadays to have our grocery stores. But as we've learned in the last two or three years, that's not always reliable. You may not be able to get it at a grocery store. That is so true. So to try to do more and more yourself. Being self-sufficient or um, self-reliant. Yep. Um, are important things because I have wonderful friends. You know, you I get my beef and meat from you, and but then farmers market. That's where I get a lot of other extras that I don't have space to grow. That's why you know to make it stretch. And then you know, there's ingredients in some store bought stuff that we're trying to avoid. And so when you do your own, you know what's in your food. Yes, that's a those are excellent points. I don't do a lot of canning around here. I do can, but um because I don't garden, uh, all my produce either comes from you or other friends or comes from the farmer's market. And I like the idea that I can, you know, take a can of tomatoes off the shelf in January. I've yeah. got tomatoes that haven't been super over processed. They taste, I don't want to say they taste like fresh tomatoes because they don't. No, but, but you know. But um, they're better. Yeah, they're better. And I know what's in it, just like you said. I know exactly what's in my food. Um, I don't have to, I can control the sugar. I can control the salt because I do have our oldest has some problems with salt. Yep. Um, she's on um, blood pressure medication. And so she's got to be careful with her salt. And so I don't put a lot of salt in our canned goods because I use them for her. And we just add salt later if we yep. think we need it or whatever. But like you, I don't want all those extra things in my food. A few other things I found when I was looking at benefits of preserving that maybe a person doesn't always think of is it's one way to decrease spoilage. You know, you can't keep your tomatoes oh, forever yeah. without doing something with them. You know, if you have an overabundance, every garden overproduces. I don't always. know if you'd ever find anyone who's had a garden that doesn't have excess produce they're, they're that you can't, you know, that you can't use up on your table. Yep. You know, or they're trying to give it oh, away yeah. or that type of thing. Because I don't know about Drew, you know, our family, we could probably eat a tomato, maybe two tomatoes a week in our house, you know, eat it raw. But beyond that, no, I mean, it would go to waste. Yeah, it would go to waste. So that was one way to extend that. Um, it's another way to ensure that you have year-round availability of seasonal foods. Like yep. you had mentioned apples. Yeah. Yeah, apples are only here for a short period of time. And by preserving them, we can enjoy them later. Because you know a grocery store apple about now, they're just not as good. Because we bought apples from the local FFA chapter. At Christmas time, and I was just going through those today, going, "Oops, that one's a little squishy." Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're getting down to most apples in the store right now are last fall's harvest, right? And they will eventually run out. I remember our son worked for Walmart, and I was on a big ambrosia apple kick at the time, and he's like, "Mom, it's getting down there. <laughs> it's getting down there. There's not a whole lot left." I'm like, "Well, when you guys put the last box out, let me know." <laughs> <laughs> and then he grabbed a few for me and he's like, that's it. I don't remember what time of the year it was. I'm sure it was spring yeah. you know, or whatever. So they do run out eventually. And let's see, what was else? Oh, extended the shelf life, which we talked kind of about. And it also decreases the hazards from biocrobial pathogens, which I suppose there's stuff that's on the fruits and vegetables yeah, that I we... I suppose the bacteria and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that we um, tend to put away for later. Anything else you can think of that... Can, oh, yeah, yeah. convenience. I like to have, there's there's one thing to freeze tomatoes or to can tomatoes, but it's another thing to have the spaghetti sauce or pizza sauce already made because I'm always cooking on the fly. I say it's like I have a half hour to 45 minutes to pull it together and, you know, get it on the table to be able to go out and 
grab a jar off yep. the shelf and open that, it is nice. That is. That is very convenient. And I think in the long run, you probably save money. You know, yeah. why not having to buy it at the store? It also reduces waste because you oh, can yep. reuse your jars. Yep. Maybe not necessarily the lids. Unless oh, you're one I of do. those rebel canners. And they do have tatter lids now. Some other ones. There's a couple other ones um, that have reusable I do. Ones. I have um, the Harvest... I can't think of the name right now. I did buy them in 2020 when lids were hard to come by. Mm -hmm. I bought them just in case and I've used a few, but I had an abundance of the metal lids. And so I'm trying to use the metal lids up before I use those. Um, Other than that, I mean, I I learned how to can in high school. Um, My grandma canned all kinds. Well, I shouldn't say she canned all kinds of things. She did just your basic fruits and vegetables and jellies and jams because my grandpa had a sweet tooth. The thing, I don't remember her ever canning meat. All her chicken came out of the freezer my mom didn't can a whole lot. She did. I mean, we had a huge garden, but we just ate fresh and what we didn't eat just went to waste, went, went to waste or we headed it. out to the farm and was fed to the chickens that my grandma had. Yeah. Um, Cause they don't only live three miles from us. So it wasn't that big of a thing, but, but yeah, my mom didn't spend a whole lot of time canning. Canning kind of came into our house when I learned how to can in home economics classes. I'm that old. <laughs> yes. I we took home ec in school. Well, that's um, where I learned to cook a lot with home ec. Yeah, yep. I did. I did too. I remember coming home and telling my mom she didn't know how to cook because she didn't cook with the measuring spoons and the cups. And she was like, okay, fine, you can cook. And that's pretty much how I started cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Open your mouth, girl, and you shall learn. Uh, yep. No kidding. <laughs> so, well, and then I learned my mom didn't, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to my mom cooking, canning or anything. I, of course, ate it, but I'm self-taught either from a book or YouTube or reading it somewhere. I was going to say, I'm, I I did a lot of reading too when I started canning because I don't remember everything. And no. I took a really long lull in there where we didn't do that type of thing. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about our three main. We're going to talk about canning, yep. dehydrating, and freezing. Yep. And so what should we start with? Start with canning? Yeah, it's. I think of, I think of that as the most popular way right. to do it. And when people think about putting food away, that's I what think they think. Brad. That's the first thing they think of is that you're canning. Yeah, you got jars and stuff. I think we're going to take a quick break here to hear from our friends from PicoSupply.com. Family-owned PicoSupply.com brings small-town customer service to their online farm store. PicoSupply.com specializes in automatic waterers from top brands such as Mirico, Jug, Franklin, Trojan, and Ritchie, as well as other products for your operation. Find your farm supplies and automatic waterers at PicoSupply.com. That's P-E-T-E-C-O Supply.com. PicoSupply. And we're back. The process of canning, it's basically putting food into jars or cans. Of course, we don't do cans. We don't we do, can. do jars. And then heating it to a certain temperature. For a certain length of time. For, yep, for a certain length of time to k- kill all those microorganisms and yep. nasties that are on there that are going to make your food go bad. And that's about it. But then there's two types. There's water bath canning and then there's pressure canning depending on if it's a low acid or a high acid food. So, And I know a lot of people don't like to pressure can. It makes them nervous because, you know, back in the day, pressure canners blew up. Oh, yeah. I yep. have stories. Yep. Yep. I, my sister-in-law had a batch of beets blow up on her and I yeah, had, she had it on the ceiling. Um, <laughs> yep. I had a pot of pinto beans blow, plug, plug the vent and the safety thing and it spewed it all over my ceilings. Yep. I've had jars break in my pressure canner. Yeah, I have too. But I have never had it do anything weird. Well, and um, now, now 
I have an electric pressure canner and there's so many safety valve features in it that I don't think that would ever happen. Okay. Well, that's, that's nice to know. Let's talk a little bit about the benefits of canning food. Now, this is what I found. You will most likely be eating local food because it's going to come from the farmer's yep. market or your own garden. It's budget friendly. It's convenient. This particular website said it's your fruits and vegetables are as nutritious as they were fresh or frozen. I'm not sure if I totally agree with that. Yeah, I don't know if I would either. Yeah, I don't think I totally agree with that because I think the canning process does kill off some of those vitamins just because of the heat. Not that I still think they're better than anything in the store that's been canned, but I would say that I don't think they're they're nutritious, but probably not as nutritious. nutritious. Sustainable, which we talked about just a few minutes ago because you can reuse your jars and your bands. And sometimes you can really use the lids, yeah, <laughs> depending on what you're doing. Yeah, or if you're a can- rebel canner. Yep. Or or if you um, invest in the reusable lids. But you can also, even if you don't want to can with the metal lid again, you can use it for to dry, just goods. Dry, dry goods or whatever. You can still reuse that Yeah, lid. and I do. I yep. vacuum seal. Same here. Leftovers, mm-hmm. um, other things, you know. Beans. I, I vacuum seal my dry beans so they last longer. Yep. So you can you can reuse them in other ways besides canning. You know what's yep. in your food? There's nothing prettier than a, a row of canned good on a shelf. Yeah. No kidding. There's less waste in both food and packaging. Yes. You're not throwing out spoiled food and you're not throwing out all the cans and all the stuff. I know they do require um, recycling in some parts of the country. They do not in Minnesota because I do believe Wisconsin's a little different. But there they actually separate their garbage we have friends in milwaukee so um that might just be a city thing too it might not necessarily be okay um and it it makes um, meal prep quicker and you just mentioned that of course being self-sufficient or self-reliant sharing your homemade treasures with friends and family is always nice and then i always add on i'd like the jar back (laughs) you don't use it please (laughs) yes i just Um, did my kids this last week i will give this to you but you must bring it back i must bring back my jar now let's talk a little bit about equipment we already mentioned that there's um yeah you are going to need some equipment yep you can you can water bath or you can pressure can so let's start with water bathings so you can water bath in almost any stock pot as long as the water what as long as the size of your jar can be covered by at least an inch to two inch of water over top of it. And you need a lid. And a lid. And then you need to be able to either put just a washcloth or a towel on the bottom or a rack on the bottom so the jar is not sitting directly on the pan. That's all that, the equipment you need to do to a hot water bath. Well, besides you need jars and Jars lids and lids and, and stuff. The rings. Um, so you do ha- you will have to invest some yep, of that. A good funnel because you don't want to get any goopies on your, on your um, jars. That and a jar lifter. And I have a little magnetic wand yeah. that pulls the lids out of the warm water thing. Oh, and you need to have something to take the air bubbles out oh, yeah. when you're filling your jars. That can be a knife. They make little make doodads for plastic that. Plastic things, yeah. Yep. And you can use whatever Chopstick. you want. Chopstick. You don't need all that special canning equipment. You know, they make some that make, they make things that make it a little easier, but mm-hmm. do you need them? No. No, you do not. You know, you know, if you're just in, starting out. Back in grandma's days, she didn't have all that fancy yeah. stuff, you know. You know, I started out buying a dozen jars, I'm sure is yep. how I started. Yeah, okay. not, I found most of my jars to start out with at garage, garage sales, sales and yep. auctions because I was buying at a time when canning was not popular. And so the old folks were dying and here's all their canning goods and nobody wanted them. To me, jars are very expensive yeah. today compared to oh, yeah. then. You know, I mean, even my even my um, my canners that I have, not my not my pressure canner, but my regular water bath canners, 
I got them all at auctions. Well, I, I did have to buy one. The current one I had to buy because my other one developed a hole. I've you had know, a couple do that. I think I paid $20 for my water bath canner. Mm-hmm. I look, they're like $50 I was going to say, they're expensive and they're just a pot. Yeah. They're just a pot. But um, they do make racks that yeah. you can put in and so that you can lift your whole, yeah. you know, all six jars or whatever you have all out at one time. Yeah. Those are handy. You don't have to have them. But you still kind of, you run a risk of burning your fingertips or getting your oven mitts all wet. And so I do like the jar lifter. It, it's kind of, I always like, this is kind of putsy doing it one jar at a time, but I don't burn my fingers. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk a little bit about what equipment we need for pressure canning, which is basically the same, except you need, you need a pressure, pressure canner. canner. Um, I happen to have a Presto. That's what I have. Not real big. It's not real small. Yeah, I had one, but it got damaged last summer. When it got damaged, I bought um, two electric ones. I bought the Nisco electric pressure canner cooker and then i bought the instant pot max which can do four pints you know that's the most it can do that's the only drawback is that each one can only do four either four pints or four quarts but then i usually cook in small batches anyway or i just do multiple a day i have a instapot and i believe you can can in that but i've never canned in it and oh boy i don't know how much would even fit in there yeah, maybe three pints. Maybe yeah, I don't know if you Instapot, could put a quart in there. My yeah, my <laughs> instant pot only holds four pints. But then that's usually what I am canning in because there's only my husband and I, and then my son still lives at home. So very seldom do I use a quart of anything. Yeah, that makes sense. The thing with pressure canning is that you have to let your pressure canner depressurize after yep. it's canned, and you have to sit and wait, and you can't keep going like when you water bath you can keep going you can just keep throwing going, your stuff yep. in and keep going where the can't when you have a pressure canner it has to come down and your jars need to cool and you, you have to start all over again and yep. so that's the disadvantage of, of pressure canning. pressure canning is that you can't just keep going like you know if you're doing a bazillion green beans yeah. you need to stop and let that do its thing and everything yep. and then start all over again because i always break it up into i always think if you can do three Three, you know, you can do a in, uh, pressure canner in the morning. You can do one in the afternoon, you know, at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And then you can do one in the afternoon. So, so hence why I have the two of them. So that I can have two of them going mm-hmm. at the same. But I'm usually doing pints. I don't know if I've canned in quarts in them yet. Oh, I take that back. I do French fries in quarts. Okay. Now there's something we should talk about a little bit too is dry canning. Yeah, I'm just learning this one. <laughs> But, okay, let's just kind of finish here on the pressure canning. So basically you just need a pressure canner and you need a pressure canner, not just a pressure cooker. It needs to be a canner, cooker, or just a canner. Not every Instant Pot or pressure cooker out there is a pressure canner. So So it's got to be, it's got to be rating for canning or it will probably not get up to a high enough pressure to kill the bacteria that you need to kill. What can I can in my water bath? You can do everything in the pressure canner if you yeah, want. Yeah. But there are certain things that I can't do. In the, in, that, or I, I lost my train of thought. What can we can in a pressure canner and what can we can in a water bath canner? There you go. Okay. So in a water bath canner, you can do like tomatoes, apples, I think all fruits. I believe it's all fruits. All jellies, jams. And then in a pressure canner, you can do meats. You do all vegetables. Broth. Oh, yeah, broth. Broth like, or stock. Needs yep. to be a 
according to the USDA DA. recommendations, those are the things that they, they there's, there's not enough acidity yep. in there to be safe water bathing. They need to be pressure canned. And it's usually for, especially meats and broth are for a long, not broth, meats anyway are for a long time. I want to say 90 minutes, 70 minutes. I was going to say, I think it's 70 minutes. Depending on the size of the yeah, jar. Yeah, I think it's 70 minutes for a pint and 90 minutes for, for a quart. quart. Although I haven't canned any meat recently, so I, I'm yeah, not exactly I sure. So you need to make sure you check your canning guide that you have. Yeah. I that mean, comes with, I have one that came with my canner and I follow that one. Or um, I have the Ball's Blue Book of yep. canning. Very good reference. I use a lot of recipes out of there. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good book. Now I know there's some of you who are going to be like, well, I don't care. I live yep. for the purposes of this it's, podcast. And I think for a beginner. Yep. For a beginner, you. Yeah. You know, it's like you follow rules. It's right. like you cook a recipe once following the recipe. And after that, it's never the same. Yeah. To those, start with, yep. follow the guidelines. Yep. Those low acid foods need to be pressure canned. Now they are recommending too now that, you know, a lot of our tomatoes today are low, low acid, acid. And so they do... Direct command, I believe they are recommending now that you pressure can your tomatoes, but... Or I've... Well, it used to be you just added to uh, yeah, lemon juice. Yeah, you could juice. add lemon juice or something to bring up the acidity. I've yeah. never done that. I'll be honest. I did it a I, little bit last year just because of that, all that recommendation. And, and I don't know if that's because if you're using mass-produced tomatoes or if it's truly that our tomatoes that we're growing aren't producing it. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, when I grew tomatoes, I used heirloom tomatoes yeah and so i assumed that they were always acidic enough because grandma probably used them and they were good enough then now i pressure can my um salsas okay i don't know if you do or not but no because I, salsa i'm producing that, that that is one of the few my tomato crops mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah i need to rotate them batch after batch because i have a lot of them yeah i just i i had read that you when you're canning a food that has multiple vegetables in it oh, okay. that you need to follow which you need to can it for whatever vegetable in there takes the longest Those, or yeah. whatever and onions and peppers are a little acidic oh. and they are required to pressure can but obviously you're still living so you're i'm still fine. living i haven't died yet <laughs> we just ate some this but week that is that is a recommendation is that you look at your ingredients in a mixed food like that and you, you know, like, celery is another, I don't know if celery, celery isn't in. It's in spaghetti sauce. In sometime. spaghetti sauce. I guess you got to do what you're comfortable with. Yeah. You know, you know now it's like, okay, I'm going to go home and read my ball, ball book and see what it. <laughs> my ball book is probably out of date. Mine is from mine. the 80s, I think, maybe. Oh, no, mine's, yeah, maybe mine, from the mine's 90s. probably only 10, 15 years old. But but I'm usually, because I always go, I, see, I never remember the times first. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm always like, okay, how much time do a tomatoes need? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always, so it makes me think, I know I've looked I at know. it. I just, I, I read that somewhere. And okay. so then when but I, I do, see it. when I do my salsa, I do, do pressure can it, even though it has tomatoes in it. Because they say that if you're going to like can like a soup, if you're going to make homemade soup and then you're going to pressure can it afterwards, yes, you got meat in it. So you need to do it for a meat time. Right. And you know, my, the salsa I can actually has zucchini in it. That's its. It has must has more zucchini in it than it has tomatoes, and so oh, that's why. <laughs> so that one, I definitely. Although the instructions that I got, it's a very old recipe, and that was it was water bath. Yeah. yeah. Yep. See, that's my my salsa recipe. I got off the internet, and it's water bath. Okay. Uh, any tips besides getting a good canning book to learn for a beginner? I want to make sure you have a good canning book. Possibly have a mentor if it's grandma or the lady neighbor. next door yep. neighbor. Man next door. Yeah, that would, would have been my dad. <laughs> my dad was the canner. And make sure you're using 
the right method for whatever food you're putting up. I think that's very important to make sure you're doing it safely. And like you said, if you're comfortable. Yeah, I read on this, you know, because we belong to some rebel groups, yep. canning groups on Facebook, and they talk about water bath canning something for three hours. I'm like, I don't have time for I, that. Yeah, that's my thinking too. And isn't it just mush by then? You I know, would I, think. I don't know, but that's in, in my personal. It's yeah. your kitchen. Do as you please. Yeah. And then with the electric pressure canners, pretty much set and go. I mean, okay. Yeah. You know, my, my instant pot one, my Nisco, I have to, you're supposed to unplug it when you're, when it's done. So you do need to be around for that. But like my instant pot, I fill it, push the button, walk away and it shuts itself down. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Cause I don't have that convenient mind sits on the stove. And you have to watch it. Yep. I have to watch yeah. it. Yeah. I would, those would be the pointers that yeah. I would, would come up with. Do um, research. I mean, yeah, research. The internet is full, full of stuff. Not all of it's all good advice, but I if mean, you do enough of it, you, yeah. yep, you can figure it out. Now, you talked about canning. Now, you can for about a year. So yeah. You need to get to the next season or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you ever get concerned about using canned goods that are, say, over a couple of years old? No, it doesn't nope. bother me at all. Me, me neither. That doesn't no, bother um, me at all. In the last few weeks, it's like I pulled a jar of, I don't know if it was ketchup or something off going, oh, it said 2020. It's like, hey. Oh, what that's, that's nothing. Yeah. I've got, I've got, I pulled, pulled a jar of applesauce off the shelf. I think it was dated 2012. It was just fine. Yeah. It worked. No, just, that wouldn't bother me. No. Now I was at a garage sale. <laughs> uh, a lady in town passed away mm-hmm. and her kids had her canned stuff. Yep. Had brought it up by the basement and the lids were rusty. And it's like, I didn't look at the date, but it's like, mm, there was dirt on top of it. I'm like, nah, I would yep. jump. Well, that's actually, um, I was gifted some jars from someone who had purchased a home and there were canned goods in the basement. And I was like, well, if you're not going to do anything, if you're just going to throw them out, give them to me. And they were dated, I think, 2009. But like you said, there was some rust and it just didn't look so, I, I, I took them for the jars because the jars were in good condition. The lid didn't look so good, but there wasn't any yeah. rust on them. And the food looked a little dark on the inside. So it's like, well, I, I didn't can this. So, and I just, yeah. you know, if the, I the had, pigs got it. If I had canned it, I'd have no problems. Yep. But yeah, in that situation, it's like, oh, no, I won't yeah, eat that. I, the jars, I'm greedy. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I find cheap jars. Mm, yep. Yep. Exactly. They were free and that's good enough for me. Oh, yeah. I think we covered what the most popular canned foods are. We already talked about tomatoes, pickles, jams, jellies, apples, most vegetables. You can can just about anything. Potatoes. Okay, so let's talk just a little bit about dry canning. Oh, yeah. I have. Um, Because you've been practicing. I've been venturing into. I learned this from my rebels canners i'd never heard of dry canning i always heard that you had to put water on everything and so i've been so i've been doing it since last fall dry canning you've done tomato or potatoes i've only done potatoes okay and did you pressure cook them yes you you sliced them and then you need to soak them in cold water and rinse them a few times to get some of the starch off them otherwise they will get starch on the bottom or they may turn dark and so that's all i did i soaked them in water drained the water packed them in a jar and then put a ring and a, a lid and a ring on it. And then I pressure canned it. I think it was 40 minutes for pints. And it looks kind of weird. So they're cooked. And you pack them in there as tight as you can because they're going to be shrinkage. And and then when I want to come use them, French fries is the biggest one because it's quick. I don't have yep. to slice them that morning and soak them before I make hamburgers for lunch. And so I just dump them out, dump the extra starch off and put some oil on them and throw them in the air fryer. So, yeah, it's really quick and easy. Have you ever done where they um, 
like you pr- put um, dried beans in a jar and then you put it in the oven and seal no, the jar that way? No, I haven't you, done you, I know you, you vacuum seal most of your jars, so you yeah. wouldn't mess with that. But I saw somebody had done that. I've never, I don't do a lot of beans around here, so, um, but they, they were talking about using it so that you, it was like not necessarily dry canning, but. You sealed them? Yeah, they sealed them in the oven. Yeah, did you see? I think it was on Rebel Canners on Facebook that somebody had dry canned hot dogs, the ones that are made from all the scraps that fall on the floor, <laughs> not not your cased ones, just Oscar Mayer wieners, you know, yeah. hot dogs. No, I had yes, not. Yes, and they put them in there, and they looked great in the jar, and she opens the seal. <laughs> they just all shrink up and shrivel up. <laughs> <laughs> and she said they stayed like that. <laughs> So oh, don't bad. do that. <laughs> There's a bad joke in there yeah, somewhere. I know there is. And the, all the comments underneath it were hilarious. Oh, but we won't go into those. <laughs> we don't want to get rated but they, the wrong way. They were all shriveled and just nasty looking. <laughs> Her comment was like, I didn't think it would be a good idea, but I tried it anyway. <laughs> so not all foods can be... Can you can can them, but it may not be appealing. <laughs> yes, exactly. That was it was a it was cute, but it, yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, okay, so let's move on to our next method. Method. There we go. Method. That's the word we're going to use. So, how about dehydrating now? Okay. Yes. The only thing I've really dehydrated myself is I did a few herbs when I had a garden out here, and I learned that I do not like basil in my dehydrator. That is the most nauseating, gross smell to me as possible. And we do beef jerky out here. But other than that, I don't really dehydrate a whole lot of anything. I've I've done cantaloupe and it's really, really good. Oh, I've never done any of those. Thinking that they would take forever because there's so much moisture in them. But Oh, no, I did them and all day. That, oh, oh, just, that I just good. made them super sweet. I've they got were, cantaloupe in the fridge right now. <laughs> really, really good. Dehydrating is right up there with the, you know, they've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking thousands of years. They've right. been drying stuff. Because um, there's different types of dehydrating. Um, there's sun drying, which, of course, you're just laying it out in the, you know, everybody hears about sun dried tomatoes. So you lay it out, lay it on a screen usually, and then cover it with another screen. So to keep the bugs off. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to use just screen from the hardware store. Some people say use just an old window screen. I want it kind of clean. Okay? Kind of clean. <laughs> and so that's, you know, I've never done sun drying of anything i don't think i have either um air drying of course that's where you take the herbs wrap a string around them and then hang them i've done that i mean i just did it last summer when i had tarragon coming out of my ears and we're going on vacation and my husband hung it in the garage for me while we're on vacation and it was done when we got back in the garage we have a ceiling fan and so then i turned that on low so there's air circulating oh okay around it then And then there's solar drying where you have a like a solar stove or something like that. It's kind of like a mini greenhouse so that you can put in there and, you know, the sun will dry it. So it's a little faster than sun drying, you know, so you have the window panes and everything heating it up. And then there's oven oven drying, you know, it's about 140 is where you want to oven dry, dehydrate, because anything over that, you're really cooking it. You're not really dehydrating it. You may cook it long enough to dehydrate it. But it might be really more cooked than dehydrated. Um, and then there's electric dehydrators, which I have. I have a big one that I bought at a pawn shop many years ago. And it's a workhorse for me. I mean, I can do, it's got like eight trays in it. And I upgraded okay. last year and bought liners that you can buy for the more modern ones. I Because the, the grates on my old one 
are really wide. So like, oh, things fall through. Yeah, the you know to do like little little pieces of meat for jerky, <laughs> you have to get them just right. So uh-huh. this was this was great last year because then all my little herb leaves didn't fall through either. That was nice. Um, we had gosh, I don't know. It was probably a Nisco, the round one. Yeah, where you can make those are usually your cheaper ones yep. to get into. We had one of those, and then the lid cracked on it, the plastic oh, lid yep. or whatever. And I happened to be at an auction and there was a dehydrator there and it was like like a microwave oven type, oh, that okay. kind of a box. Yeah. So I bid on that and I believe I got it for a quarter. <laughs> nobody, and I was like, I hope it works. For and a quarter? It, it works. It's got, I don't know, eight or nine trays in it. Yep. And it's got, you know, so you can adjust it to whatever. Although I don't know that the adjustment thingy actually really works anymore. I don't know anymore. how accurate mine is yeah, anymore. I, I don't know, but we don't we don't use it real often. Like I said, I don't do a whole lot of dehydrating. That's the only dehydrator I have right now. It's down in the basement somewhere. But this one came with what looks like um, needlepoint plastic. That, oh, that's okay, yep. what is in those trays. And that's kind of what mine looks like, but it's silicone now. Yeah, everything is plastic oh, in okay. mine. Nothing is metal no, besides the actual box the box is metal but everything else inside is plastic i put it through my dishwasher when i do jerky because it gets oh it's a pain to clean yeah it's a very much a clean pain to clean um that's probably why i don't use it a whole lot i think i did put my my shelving through the dishwasher but still you still have to kind of yep you still gotta pick it off a little bit yep so yeah that's one of the drawbacks to the electric dehydrators they're faster and you can kind of control the heat a little better but yeah, sometimes it's a pain to clean. Yeah, they're not fun to clean. So that's one of the drawbacks. Mm-hmm. You can dry almost any food. I mean, you can do fruits, vegetables, lean meats. You want, if you're going to dehydrate them, you want it to be lean meat. Um, I don't know if I would do pork. Yeah, if, I don't think I've done pork. I've yeah, always done um, beef. Well, I have done pork jerky. Oh. But you don't want, because it's got fat on it, you don't want to, it's not a long-term storage. Um, actually, I think I remember reading somewhere meat should only be stored for two months. Because they have a chance, higher chance of going rancid. When whose household does jerky last that I long? I don't know. Seriously. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My family was on a kick there. Was oh. it 2019, 2019, 2020? I'm like, I turn around and I was making jerky every other week, I yep. think. But then, of course, sauces. So you can take your jam, make your jam and make your own fruit leathers. Or you fruit roll-ups. Fruit roll-ups. So you know what's in it and what you're feeding to your kids. Yeah, you know how much sugar. Yeah, you can control the sugar cut back um, because you're always using applesauce in place of sugar. Mm-hmm. So you can do that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then, of course, our herbs. Almost any herbs that I can think of, you can dehydrate. To store dehydrated foods takes up less space than if you were going to can them in a candy jar. So I don't know if I would dehydrate. Well, you could dehydrate tomatoes. And make a tomato powder. You know, I've seen mm-hmm. that a lot where people made fruit powders and vegetable powders to put in their soups and stews and stuff like that. Here's my list of how long um, dehydrated stuff can be stored. Um, jerkies are a month or two. And like we said, they never around. But dried fruits are about six months. And about a month after you open it, you want to be able to use them up. Um, herbs is one to two years. And dried mushrooms, they say one to two years and three months if stored in a pantry after opening. I'm like, because I dehydrated mushrooms last fall because we had got the freeze dryers and I was so excited and they were on sale and bought them. And then, of course, life happened and we didn't get to them. And so I'm like, oh, I got to do something with them. And so I dehydrated them. Your mushrooms, you just have them dehydrated whole or no, sliced, sliced or whatever, or, but yeah. you didn't powder them or anything no, like no, that. No, no, I okay. loved them. Actually, 
I just used them in something. Yeah, oh, you that's told me. Yeah, the cheesy potatoes. There you go. I was going to say, you you put them in something. I remember the cheesy potatoes that. that I made last week. I made homemade cream of mushroom soup, and that's what was always in, in them. So I powdered them. I ground them up before I cooked the homemade soup and thickened it for the cheesy potatoes, okay. which were awesome. Yeah, they were awesome. <laughs> I think I ate most of them. Anything else with dehydrating? Any tips or pointers? Yeah, yeah let me see. I do have, let's see if I can know that. Some things you will want to blanch before you dehydrate them, um, which are, um, I can think of like if you're going to do green beans, corn, some of those vegetables, you would want to blanch them. And then like fruit, if you're going to uh, dehydrate fruit, apples, bananas, or anything like that, you want to dip them in um, like lemon juice or something, uh, pineapple, pineapple juice, so that they don't brown. So they're appealing. And that's, yeah, you, that's an eye thing. It's yeah, a it's visual purely thing. A, a visual thing. It's not a preservation issue. Mm. They just look prettier. And, you know, pineapple juice adds a little it adds a little flavor to the apples. Yep. Love them. So let me ask you this. When you take your stuff off of the dehydrator, how do you store them? Do you just put them in a jar? Do you put them in a bag? You, you can. I mean, depending on the length of time you want to store it. Um, I do take them off. And since I have this big, you know, they're big trays. They're probably mm, probably 18 inches wide. Um, I do have a big metal so that I tip it up and then I knock them all into the bowl and then I take scoop them in the bowl and then put them in a jar. But yes, I put them in a jar and then I vacuum seal them. Um, you could put them in any jar. Um, and Probably. if you're going to use them within the year, I wouldn't worry so much about vacuum packing them. Granted, it would keep them fresher longer. But if you don't have that equipment, I wouldn't worry about it. I would just use them. Oh, here's another tip. Um, make sure that if you're going to do something like with a uh, like an onion or garlic, something with a strong flavor, mm. do not do it at the same time that you're going to do your pine or your apples or your pineapple. Because you will cross flavor them. Yep. And then um, actually I have done garlic and onion in the garage. I will take my machine and move it outside in the summertime because it is very powerful say, in the house. Yes, that is that is some a very good point is that when you're... Because some herbs will too. Yep. Some, like I mentioned, basil, just that just almost made me sick to my stomach. That was a smell. And I don't really like fresh basil, the smell of it anyway. Oh, okay. So then putting it in the dehydrator, oh, that was such a mistake <laughs> for me. Yeah, for you. <laughs> um, whereas I, yeah, my husband doesn't like basil, but I still cook with it. I just don't yeah. cook with it a yeah, lot. I was going to say, I don't mind it in something, but that, the that, smell of that it? just doesn't, that doesn't work for me at all. <laughs> Here, I just go out and grab a leaf and chew on it <laughs> when I grow it. You sicko, you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, anything else that we can think of for dehydrating? No, I think that's probably it for dehydrating. All right. So I think so that's, I think that's, that's for... probably about it. You know, you, you don't necessarily need a machine, but um, it does make it handier. But then again, you have to clean it. Yeah. So if you can get by with hanging it in the corner or which... Herbs you know, are easy to yep, hang in the corner. Yep. Um, maybe I don't, you don't get that strong smell. Yeah. If you're... I don't know if I would do... Um, you know, like onions or corn or any of that, just hang, you know, just laying out. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know enough about dehydrating. It's no, just, I it's don't. something I don't really practice. So I do, um, you know, I do some, mm -hmm. but I, it's not my, my main method of As preserving herbs. I would think would be just the dehydrator would be ideal for, you know, yeah. drying your, you know, I know you said you did tarragon hanging up or whatever, but you know, I think that would be where. I would probably use it the most besides for basil. Okay, let's move on to the last one, and that is freezing. And yep. that's probably one that 
everybody does and they don't even realize that they're actually preserving, preserving food yeah. in the process of doing so because there's probably not an American household out there that doesn't have a freezer. Whether it's on the top of your refrigerator, bottom of your refrigerator, you know, you got a small one in the corner, you know, a chest <laughs> freezer. Let's talk a little bit about um, freezing and basically freezing for food preservation is simply exposing temp food to temperatures that are below their freezing point. That's yeah. basically it. Yeah, at least 32 yep. degrees, but yep. most of them are down in the yep. teens or 20s. Yep. Um, uh, benefits, it's easy. Low it's cost. convenient. Low, low cost. cost. It probably takes the least amount of time of anything. Yep. If I'm rushed, that's what I'm doing. I'm throwing yep. it. Throw it in the freezer. I'll deal with it later. I mean, I did that one year when I had uh, excess tomatoes and I just, yeah. I was like, it is August and I am not about to start canning in August and I just threw everything in the freezer. Or, or you've got it coming in so hot and heavy in mm-hmm. August. Yep. You don't even have just tomatoes coming in. You've got cucumbers, you've got peppers. Yep. The only, if you're going to throw, because tomatoes, you just have to wash and throw in the freezer. The only advice I'd give you is I would core it first. Yeah, I was going to say, I cored mine and quartered them. Yes. That's what I did. Because you can get more in a bag. Brain so pause. yeah, it takes it takes less amount, least amount of time, but there are a few cons to freezing yes, as there well. Are. It requires electricity. Yeah. And boy, if the grid goes down, if you have a, yeah, your, your, your freezer quits, yeah. then you've got to deal with a freezer full of stuff, which then you want to come in with your dehydrator and your canner yeah. <laughs> and start moving stuff. So I am trying to move away from the freezer. Yes. Um, so are we. We're trying to get down to less freezers and maybe rely on some other things a little bit more, making things shelf stable. Yeah. And there's also a much shorter span for how long your stuff stays good in a freezer. Yeah, you're looking at maximum of a year. Maximum, yeah, maximum of a year, year. depending on what it is. And, you know, there's freezer burn happens. Um, Your freezer, if it stops for a bit and you You, start it back up, you've now, things have thawed a little bit and refroze. We had a storm last year and we were without power for two, maybe three days. I can't remember. I was like, it's like, do not open those freezers. Yep. We're shut. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. They hadn't been defrosted, so they were good for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're lucky here in the Midwest. We don't usually have storms that happen like that where no. our grid goes down and we don't have electricity. That same storm, we were out of electricity for eight hours here, but you are in different power grid yep. and yours was down a lot longer. Yeah. But out on the East Coast, where it seems to be much more fragile out there. Or even the West Coast, yeah, isn't where, California in that area? Uh, where they lose power and it's it's days yeah or even i think about i i watch a gal from michigan on tiktok she lives in the upper peninsula and she prepares winter time especially for to go without power and so yeah so it's it's a more of a reality in her life than it is in our life right yeah we don't usually lose electricity for a real long time anything else for cons i mean you know electricity is kind of expensive right now and so that's kind of a reason to everything's expensive yeah every well everything's expensive is that's very true but there's one place where you can save if you don't yeah have if you freezer. don't have if you don't if you're not using as you're not running your freezer but if you do are running a freezer you want to have that freezer full they say it runs cheaper if it's full than if you're only you know a few things in it okay so let's talk about putting food into the freezer yeah now your meats those all can just go right into the freezer yeah, you just got to wrap them well you know so that Get as much air out of a bag or freezer paper, vacuum sealing, main ways, you know. 
Yes. To prepare your yes, meat. Yes, I know our new butcher that we use now. Vacuum seals. Yeah, you can see what you Yeah, I love did. it. It's like, That's it's nice. not always mystery. What, yeah, how are you like, cut? You know, or you grab a roast and you're like, now I wonder if it has a bone in it or not. Yeah. That's yeah. my biggest thing. It's okay, so it weighs this much, but um, is, is there a bone? Because I've got freezer paper on here, you yeah, know, you know, type things. So because the bone, you got to account for the bone depending right. on how many people you're going to feed. Yeah, exactly. And then you have, um, you can freeze fruit. Fruit is easy. Fruit is very easy. Um, you don't really have to do anything besides apples. Apples, you'd want to dip in pineapple juice or don't have to. Don't have to, but you can if you want them pretty. Um, if you're gonna, mine are usually used for baking. If I throw them yeah. in the freezer, so I don't care. I don't know. You don't have to peel the no. fruit. No, unless you want to. Yes, unless you want to. Um, vegetables are a little different. Yep. Vegetables, some need to be blanched. Yep. So like um, corn, peas, beans, pure Brussels sprouts. Thinking one of them. Because a lot of those Brussels sprouts I buy from the store. I don't grow them. I can't grow enough for us. So those you, you have to blanch. And I would refer back to, for those that don't know what blanching is, Yes, we should tell them. Blanching, what is a blanching? Blanching is you prepare your food, you know, cut it however you want to for serving, and then you dip it in boiling water. Not That's, too long. Yeah, you know, we're talking minutes. I don't think I've ever seen more than three minutes. Okay. Um, except maybe corn on the cob. Might be a little longer. And, and then you pull it out and you promptly put it in ice water, cold water. That stops the cooking yep, process. Stop that. So, so basically cook. you're pre-cooking it some. And so that's something about stopping enzymes. Yes. And it just keeps your product fresher, if I remember correctly. Yeah. As far as equipment goes for freezing. Oh, it's simple. It's You need some kind of a storage container for whatever you're putting in yeah. there and a freezer. <laughs> yeah. You know, and my storage containers, you know, most of the time are Ziploc bags. Yeah, I was going to say, yep. I usually use a, a Ziploc type bag, depending on what I'm freezing. Or a vacuum. I do have a vacuum saver, so I do use a vacuum. If I'm going to... I'll try to use a vacuum sealer bag more okay. often. Do you ever flash freeze anything? Sometimes I will fruit, fragile fruit, like as raspberries. Gonna, yeah, I was going to say, that's a nice thing to do is to spread your fruit or vegetable out on a cookie sheet yeah. and put it in the freezer so it kind of freezes individually. And then you can throw it in a bag right. and then you can just take a handful yes. out instead of a big chunk. Blob. Yeah, because that's, that's one thing that's a disadvantage of freezing yes. if you're going to just throw your strawberries in there. Yeah, Lots you, of times they're kind of a big chunk. And then you have to try to break them apart yep. and then you kind of mutilate yeah. them. Yep. Especially if you only need a few. Yeah. If you, you just need a handful cups for a in there or whatever. or something. Yep. Blueberries are wonderful if you yep. flash freeze, freeze them. them. Yes. Yep. Gosh, I don't know if there's anything else to talk about for freezing. Like I said, no. I think it's probably something people do and they don't even realize that they're doing Between, food, Yeah. Make sure you date stuff. You even might want to write what it is too. Yeah. Just, Especially if you're doing leftovers. I mean, I, up until recently, and I've gotten the freeze dryer, um, I would take leftover soups and put them in pint jars, leave headspace because they expand and you'll break your jar if you fill it too full. But, you know, so I leave two inch headspace on it, put just a lid on it, you know, a canning lid and with a ring on it and I throw it in the freezer. And so those are our leftover quick meals up until recently yeah and, and you know a lot of people do freezer meals where they do do yep. one day and they prep 15 20 meals and yep. they just throw them all into the freezer and they just pull them out yep. and they can throw them in the crock yep. pot those are advantages too um doing you know having a freezer and you can just go in there and just yeah grab yeah so label them because no matter what you think oh i'll remember what that is no, no you, you won't, won't. 
not six months from now when you're like going, oh, that's getting a little freezer burn in it. What is it? And then it's mystery meal then. Exactly. Anything else we can talk about freezing or preservation? I think we've covered freezing um, and the benefits of it. And there are there are a few cons to it, but it's still a really nice method to be able yeah. to use to preserve something so that you can eat it later. I know for a while before we got our freeze dryers, we had a lot of rhubarb in our freezers. Yeah. Both of us. Yeah, both of us did. Three common, common. ones. Most common. I most think. common used today. Canning, whether it be pressure canning or water, water. bathing. Um, dehydrating, using a dehydrator or your other methods that you talked about yeah. using the sun to your advantage. And freezing. And I think we'll leave it at that. And we will be covering the other ones here soon. The other ones we will be covering are fermenting, pickling, freeze drying, salting, and curing. Be looking forward to uh, researching those and learning a little bit more about all of those at another time. And so we'd like to thank you for tuning in today and um, hope you learned something about food preservation and we look forward to sharing more about what we're learning and maybe put some of other things into use that we don't use in our households. If you have questions or comments, please let us know. Leave a comment on the Facebook page, Instagram, our website. Send us questions. Feel perfectly free to send us an email. We'd like to really try to do that question and answer type yeah, thing. I and think that would be fun to do. We need some questions from those of you who are listening to us. Once again, I want to thank Michelle for tuning in. And I look forward to hearing from her as she's taking this journey with us, kind of. Yeah. If you are in this area, feel free to drop in, talk to us. I'm more than happy to talk to a fan. I'm happy to sell you some milk and some cream. <laughs> You're easier to get a hold of. Yes. Um, and if you're looking for kombucha scobies, Jamie's yeah. got them for you. I'm thinking, uh, I might need to start a, a scoby hotel. <laughs> you might need to. <laughs> to just have on hand. Uh, yes. Give out to people. All right. And I think we'd like to give a special thank you to PicoSupply.com for sponsoring our podcast. So until next time. I put some kefir on it. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Homestead Podcast's latest episode. Your hosts, Carol Radke and Jamie Kappis, are Two Gals Homesteading. To learn more, go to twogalshomesteading.com or the Two Gals Homesteading Facebook page at facebook.com slash twogalshomesteading. Editing, audio production, and marketing of the Homestead Podcast is the responsibility of Media Trends X. The Homestead Podcast is an audio product of Media Trends X, a limited liability company, based in Minnesota, USA.